Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm so excited to bring you inspiring interviews with people who are sharing their passion for gratitude, self-love, and kindness. Hi, everyone. It's Julie Boyer, and I'm your host for the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. And I'm super excited because I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I've got my friend Jennifer Robinson here. She's the founder of Butterfly Beauty Self-Care, and she and I are actually going to have more of a conversation today because both of us were unschooling our children of very different ages before the COVID-19 pandemic happened. And we really wanted to connect, share our stories, what we were doing kind of before this all happened and how we're dealing with things now. So good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning, Julie. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's funny because we had said we wanted to do this conversation before anything happened. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. And then, you know, we just didn't get around to it. And now I think our conversation is... <laughs> It's really so much more important than ever because so many parents are struggling trying to figure out what am I going to do with my kids at home. So absolutely, um, I would love to uh, start by saying that both you and I have permission from our children to share their stories. Yes, I think that's yes. important to know that, you know, we've, we've both connected with our kids and said, we're going to talk about this. And they've said, yes. So absolutely. if you want to start Jennifer and just kind of share your story with your son, um, that would be really great. So why don't you go ahead? Thank you, Julie. Um, so my son, and again, just as you reiterated before, I had permission to share his story. Um, we've talked in depth about it a lot this week. Um, he has suffered with and struggled with anxiety pretty much most of his life. He's 16 years old now. He will be turning 17 next month. And for the most part, he was in traditional schooling. Um, his anxiety issues started right from as a baby. Um, there was always something different and grade one started and we could see a lot of signs there. Um, he uh, was always uh, um, socially distant from other children. Um, but as he got older, school got harder for him. And I was of mindset that it was really important that I pushed him as much as I could in a loving way, but I felt it was really important that he built resiliency and I pushed him and pushed him to be part of that traditional schooling system. Um, I have my ECE, I've worked with kids a lot, and um, I felt that that was the best thing for him. Um, fast forward to grade seven, he was uh, diagnosed late with being on the autism spectrum, which um, I mean, I'm skipping a whole bunch of parts here from being with psychologists and psychiatrists, and he was in self-contained classrooms from the age of grade four to grade eight, which helped him a lot, which meant he was in a small classroom size. Um, but getting that diagnosis really helped me a lot and to step back and accept him where he was at. Um, he had some fantastic teachers. And of course I was that mom who was always advocating. Um, so as parents, we know our kids best. And that's one thing to really remember. And I tried to um, keep true to that when I would communicate with, with the teachers. And for the most part, we did okay with him being in traditional school as long as he was in a small classroom setting. However, high school came. 
um, grade nine started and the supports that he had um, from early on were no longer there. Yes, there was a resource teacher he was assigned and a resource class he could go to, but a lot of new things um, came up, which does with teens and a lot new stresses. And he, at this point, being in grade nine, he was very aware of where he was different from others. And um, it uh, progressed in him and getting into um, difficulty in the wrong social groups. He wanted to fit in and he was making um, the difficult choices and wrong choices, in my opinion, when it came to hanging around certain groups that were experimenting with um, uh, smoking drugs and um, all sorts of things uh, that normal neurotypical teenagers do, but for him, uh, it was even more overwhelming. Um, everything changed though drastically last year um, in 2019 in the spring. He had one really close friend who was his best friend and this kid, um, he really got my son and he was like the backbone to him. So this one kid, this boy, I really relied on him a lot. Looking back now especially, he knew Jack was different, but he he loved him for everything that he was and they were really close. Mm -hmm. Well, in February of 2019, his family moved um, out east and my son was left uh, without that one person who understood his humor and understood the way he communicated and he started to spiral and I didn't realize that um, my son was having a lot of suicidal thoughts um, when his friend moved away and in fact when I um, actually peeked in his cell phone which I was trying to give him privacy which is really a fine line when they become teenagers mm -hmm. I noticed that um, there was a lot of messages that was he was really was feeling um, a lot of suicide thoughts and when spring hit around March April um, me pushing him to continue to go to traditional school resulted in um, a really turmoil week of him being in a lot of rage and threatening suicide over and over until one night where I call, had to call a, uh, a suicide hotline um, to get some help and they advised me to call the police. That was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. And looking back now, I'm so glad I did because um, having five cop, crew, cop cruisers show up on your front lawn isn't the greatest thing in a small town but along came a mental health counselor and we spent five days and nights sleeping in the ER in our local hospital until we could get on the waiting list and he was put into a, a, a psychiatric hospital for youth and that was the start of 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 the homeschooling the very beginning I wasn't planning on homeschooling at the time my heart was getting nudges um, Watching him go through that uh, youth program actually was, was wonderful. It helped him to get in touch with some of his feelings. So I felt confident that in September of 2019, we would start him back at school again, in high school, but at a new school. And that was very short-lived. Um, it was over the month of September. I got him into the school once, and that was just to meet the resource teacher. Um, the principal tried. It was a great school. They all came out to the car. We could not get him in there, and I realized that the time he had spent home from April until September, because we weren't able to get him back, I saw the stress come down in him, but it quickly escalated back again. And all these nudges that I was getting to my heart to homeschool um, 
came back very strongly, but there was so much fear that came with it. I didn't think I would be capable. I had worked with young children and had no idea how I was going to homeschool him and juggle um, working from home as well as a part-time supply teacher for the county. And I was like, how am I going to do this? But I knew that in that moment, his mental health was first and foremost. And so in I guess October of 2019 was the beginning of our homeschooling journey together. And I can talk about the things that we've been doing and how it's changed now that we're in the midst of COVID-19. <sighs> kind of a big <laughs> breath after that. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. And mm-hmm. first know that you are likely not the only parent who has dealt with this or is dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I definitely had tears in my eyes a few times while you were sharing your story because we went through similar things, but my daughter was seven at the time. Yes. And that, I mean, I heard your words and I'm like, I could be saying the exact same words, but my daughter was Mm -hmm. seven. Yeah. So, um, I think one of the things that I, I want to just highlight from your story is that nudge and that, that you listened to that nudge and you finally just did what you needed to do. And our situation, um, different, but interestingly, a lot of like similarities that, um, Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about before. So I'll share our story and then we'll kind of get into, you know, cause we've been doing this for a little bit longer, but I think it's important for us to share because you're working with an, a 16 year old and I started working with a seven year old who is now nine. It's a very yes. different, but also a lot of it's the same. Yes, it is. Um, my daughter is uh, a wonderful child who I think suffered from anxiety, but like we managed it well when we lived in Ontario And I actually never really sent her to school full time. She went to junior kindergarten three days a week. Then the next year in senior kindergarten, only four days a week. And then even when she was in first grade, she would stay home for, uh, we called it mommy and Celine days. She would stay home because she just was, she couldn't go to school that day. And so I never really thought anything about these like mommy and Celine days. Like if she just really didn't want to go to school that day, I just like, I let her stay home. I've been working from home for now 14 years and you know, a day with my daughter didn't really, I was like, yeah, this is great. You can stay home with me. And then in the middle of grade two for her, we moved across the country and she'd already had a really tumultuous year. Like her grade two year at school was not good because her teacher was off sick and they had a, supply, a new supply teacher like every week. It was really hard for her, but I hadn't realized like there, there was anxiety there. When we moved, um, she went to her new school a few days before Christmas and everything seemed to be fine. But uh, when we started back after the break, so we'd, she'd, we'd only been living in BC and like across the country for uh, a few weeks and she'd only been to school a few days. So when we went, started going back to school in January, um, there was an incident on the bus and the incident on the bus was that she, um, she was alone on the bus. So by herself, so she's seven at this time, she's alone on the bus and she had a crystal and she was scared and she was nervous and she ended up dropping her crystal and it fell to the back of the bus. And the bus driver told her like, you can't bring your crystal on the bus anymore um, because you're just going to lose it. And she was like, I need this crystal to be safe. And so her not being able to bring her crystal was like the start of like this feeling of this lack of safety. Cause she'd been taking the bus in Ontario since she was four <laughs> and she loved her, which was the best bus driver. She loved it. Um, so that kind of started this spiral. And then her teacher also wasn't 
the school was great, but the teacher wasn't super like, just like you would think a grade two teacher would be kind of like a little bit more loving. And I don't know. I just, I think we had just this idea of what a teacher should be. You've, you've taught young children, right? Like, you know, they need like loving, kind. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. There have been some teachers I've worked with lots and some should be teaching grade eight and not kindergarten or grade ones and two. And it's a personality thing a lot of times. Exactly. And not that she was a good or bad teacher, but like her and my daughter just didn't like, she didn't really understand why my daughter was so anxious. So it just started getting worse. And then we would fight, like just fight desperately to go to school. So we stopped taking the bus. I was like petitioning, like you said, you have to petition for your child. I was like, I need the bus route change. There's a way that you can pick her up. Like just on the way she can be the last person she gets on the bus. It takes, it'll be five minutes on the bus. Like no problem. Cause it was like a good 20 to 25 minute walk up and down the hills on a very busy street for us to walk. And she's seven. So we did walk to school quite a bit in the pouring BC rain. It was pretty brutal. (laughs) But, um, you know, there was a week where I had a car because my husband also went away for two weeks, which was like, talk about a kid with separation anxiety. Her dad leaves for two weeks. He's never been away for more than a night from her. Like this was also very, like looking back, right? Don't you feel like looking back, you can kind of see all the signs. And you just like, at the time you're like, this is going to be fine. It's going to work. So we had the car. And when you said that you took him to school and you couldn't get him out of the car, that was me. She wouldn't get out of the car. She wouldn't get out of the car. So then the principal comes out very like principal was amazing. Just, we loved the principal. Wouldn't get out of the car. Um, there was one time when we walked to school and I literally like pushed her into the school. I've been there. I and, did the like, same thing. Close the door and walk away. And I'm yep. bawling my eyes out. Yeah. And you're like, but she needs to go to school. You know, yep. we've got to make this work. And it was that feeling. I was like, and you know, that feeling when like, everyone's like, why can't you just get your kid to go to school? Oh, I've, yes. <laughs> right. You're like, but I, I've tried everything. So then at one point we were driving to school, my husband's still away. And she tells me that, um, she doesn't want to go to school because the kids at school have knives in their backpack and they're going to kill her. Mm. And I was like, this is a seven-year-old. Yeah. So I drove immediately to the clinic, the medical clinic that was in our neighborhood. I was like, we need help. Like I, this is, so they did get us into a local community program. Um, but unfortunately that program, like it was, um, it took four months to, before you could get a counselor. So they would see you for like an emergency appointment and then you could mm. see anybody for four months. And uh, we kept her. Oh yeah. And then she was like, she gave me this book on truancy and school refusal. And I was like, this isn't what's happening. Like I'm trying your strategies, but yeah, there's something else here. Right. So, uh, one day, one morning, um, you know, my husband, like if my husband had even stayed home a couple mornings from work to try and get, I, I was like, you take, you get her to school. You do <laughs> yes. it because I can't, I don't know if you guys had the same situation, but. Oh yes. He was many, like, well, many times. He's like, why can't you just get her to go to school? I'm like, you, you do it. So anyway, so, uh, one morning he had gone to work and she just was like, I would rather die than go to school. And I was like, this is not okay. My seven-year-old is saying this. So. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, take me to the hospital. Like I've had the, it. I've heard the exact same words from my son. 
many, many times over and over. So, you know, you're like, this isn't okay. This isn't right. So then uh, we also got called a crisis hotline. Um, My husband's work, he had just started a new job, didn't have benefits yet, but they gave him this like employee support services line. They gave us an emergency counseling line and which was amazing. And he came home from work because I was so scared and she was scared and we called the line and and I didn't tell them that she had exactly what she had said because I was scared. I was scared mm-hmm. what would they do with my seven-year-old, but we did get an emergency yeah. counselor appointment like the next day. Mm-hmm. And we went to that counselor and, you know, my daughter matter-of-factly said like these things to the counselor, like she just said it like it was just the way that it was. Like if I go yeah. to school, the kids have knives in their backpack. Nothing, let's just be clear, like nothing ever happened at school. No one bullied her, no one hurt mm-hmm. her. But um, yeah, so she, the counselor was like, you pretty much have to homeschool her at this point. Like you don't, there's no other option. So we decided to do that. And uh, it was, it took about six weeks to get to that point where we, I, we pulled her from school and it was traumatic. Yeah. Um, there was like trauma associated with that because not only then, then you're all of a sudden you're dealing with a kid who's been traumatized, mm-hmm. um, which is what happened with you, right? When he was in the hospital, like, yeah. you have to deal with trauma and Absolutely. You're, supposed to, you're supposed to teach your kid. The school's like, well, here's the curriculum. You can go online and download it. And I was like, uh, okay. So yeah. that's, that's <laughs> where we, we started in January or sorry, February of 2018. Right. So, yeah. That's our I story. Did, <laughs> I, I was tearing up while you were telling that story about her being afraid to go. And it, it made me think of something my son said to me about him a month or two ago and this is why I got all teary um there was a I guess there was a story out west of a young teenage boy who had been being bullied at school I don't know whether it was Vancouver or not it was on the news Mm. and he had been telling the school he had been telling his mom and he I guess texted his mom to say they're gonna kill me they're gonna kill me and when his mom finally got to the school the boys had knifed him in front of his mom and the boy died and I hadn't heard about this because I didn't watch the news much but my son had heard about it a few weeks after it happened and he was telling me this story and he looked at me and said thank you for being one of the moms that listened because that would have been me I would have but I would have killed myself and I want to let you know that you did the right thing because you listened and I'd like it just broke me because I was that mom who you know my, my parents are Scottish English background and you you push your kids they need to be resilient that's what you do and I had many 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 days when my son was younger you know I've let the guilt go now it was a routine the school was in our backyard when he was grade four grade five and I used to drive to the school because he couldn't walk there with the other kids and the EA would come out it wasn't his EA but the EA in his class and we'd both pull him out of my van while he'd scream and I'd stuff him in between the two doors of the foyer with that teacher and if it was a really bad day um, I would have to drive then to the front of the school and then run in the office and tell the principal and them to go help her because he would be so angry and and thrashing and I would I did, I did that day in and day out for 
most of his young school years when we lived in our other town and I felt but they, the teachers were wonderful and I knew he would get through each day but I kept hoping he would build resiliency and this yeah. was before I knew he was on the spectrum um, but they just kept telling us the doctors he has a severe anxiety disorder and I you know hoped that it would he would grow to be um, more resilient and he has in a lot of ways, um, as we grow, the maturity does help and they, their brain, their ability to understand things more. But um, I had a lot of guilt not homeschooling back then, thinking I should have done it sooner. But I, I've let that guilt go because yeah. I know that everything yeah. happens for a reason when it's yeah. supposed to. And I was in a different place in my life then. And I'm in a, a, a new life, a new marriage. Yeah. I do work from home. So I was able to uh, figure it out. But yeah, that story really touched me. <laughs> well, and I think what you say is like that you and I have been able to figure out the fact, like keeping our kids home and making that choice. Like right now, of yeah. course, like thousands and thousands of families are thrown into that kind of position. Yes. And some of these kids, like our kids, were already struggling to go to school. So they're mm-hmm. dealing with anxiety around school. They're dealing with anxiety around a pandemic. And then mm-hmm. they're dealing with anxiety of how to, try and be like doing work at home. And I think one of the things that I learned fairly quickly early on is that by, if I was trying to homeschool her, follow the mm-hmm. curriculum, sit and do work every day, mm-hmm. we would just end up fighting a lot. And yes. he wasn't healing. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing like other people's voices saying like, well, this is how you have to do things. And I remember I had this, I have this friend that I met when we lived. So we lived on the mainland in BC, we lived there for 10 months and then we moved to Vancouver Island. And that was actually like a massive shift in our life that really helped. But that, that time in, in Vancouver or in Langley where we lived for 10 months, um, I met a friend through, you know, connecting through um, Facebook, through homeschooling. And I remember one day she and I sat at the pool, our kids were swimming and she's like, you know, you don't need to teach her all that curriculum, right? And I was like, no, I I'd actually don't, I don't know that I, Mm-hmm. Can, can do that like what are you talking about she goes yeah as long as you're registered with the school which I was you are not required to follow curriculum you can just let her like live her life and and you know you can like give her activities and things to do but she said one of the reasons she homeschooled and she homeschooled from the beginning with her son is that she said I have one child like me one child and I just want to spend as much time as I possibly can with him and so we make it work and he learns through his Legos and we do activities with other kids and we Mm -hmm. go on nature walks and all these things. And it was like this moment of, wait, what do you mean? I don't have to do it this way. Absolutely. It can be okay to let them learn in a different way. So when you started, did you, were you trying to teach curriculum as well at the beginning? Yes. In the beginning, (laughs) that didn't last very long. (laughs) I mean, when your, your son is 16 and almost six feet tall, you know, (laughs) it's not the same. Um, I did. And, oh, we fought. Yes. And of course I would use the motherly threatening bit. You know, if you're not doing this with me, then you're going to have to try and find another place to go and all sorts of stuff. I mean, we were both butting heads and, I look back now and a lot of it was fear of my own capability and I just felt the pressure from the comments I was getting from people like you're homeschooling like how is he ever going to graduate how will you do this how will you do that and I finally one day broke down and I just let it all go and I thought like 
his mental health is most important. And mm. what is a successful human being look like? I mean, what does that look like? He, I just wanted him to be happy. I just want him to be able to grow in direction that one day he can have his own apartment and have his own car and knows how to pay his bills and play his video games in his own place without his mom there and that he's happy. So I started focusing on his interest and I thought, no, Jen, you have your ECE, you've worked with kids. And we know, I know from my schooling and my work with kids that kids learn naturally. And in that moment, I realized it was the same thing with him as a teenager and as adults. We don't have to learn by writing things down on paper and memorizing stuff because he can memorize things. He's good at that. I finally started just having conversations and experiences and figure out what he likes. So I don't know if now is a good time for me to share with some of the things I was Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, My son loves anime, all those Japanese cartoons and he loves video games and I thought, how can I take what he loves and keep him engaged, but he's still learning in some ways. So one of the things we did, and he's has always struggled with reading. He hates books, <laughs> has always hated. And there was always a um, anxiety level to him having a book in his presence because it reminded of him that he was behind in levels from everybody else. And the older he got, the more he was aware that he was behind. So we made a compromise that he'd watch his anime shows with, um, in Japanese with subtitles. Ah. He started, he started that, um, in October and his reading level has skyrocketed. It's incredible. And it's one of the things on his homeschooling day. And I'll tell you, I text him in his room. <laughs> Don't to, Here's today's homeschooling yeah. days to do. I do have a board. He gets to choose what yeah, he wants to do. And we, we have them on colorful yeah. sticky notes on a board. But there's so many things he has to do in a week. Yeah. But I let him pick when and timing and what he's doing. So anime shows in Japanese with subtitles. And he only watches them that way now. So and do you know what's funny? Great. Sorry, you were saying about reading. I just have to mm-hmm. just laugh because so my daughter had been in school in French. So she knew how to read in French. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know how to read in English. So how did she learn to read English? She learned to read English through two games. One is Prodigy Math, which is a math game for kids. Yeah, we do that one too. Yeah. So, you know, she, you can click on the little button and it reads, it reads it for you. Yes. So she learned that. And then the other way my daughter learned how to read in English and write in English was through Minecraft. Yeah. So absolutely. she really, I mean, she literally taught herself to read English through playing games. I never mm-hmm. taught her how to read English. She learned through games because she was engaged and she wanted to figure things out. Like she got these books for, she got these Minecraft books on how to do things in Minecraft. So she had to mm-hmm. figure out what the book said. Yes. They are naturally learning. If you let them go towards their interests, they're going to yeah. learn. Yeah. That was a big, big one for me. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I know one thing that you do as well, we've talked about before is you, like I have my son watch documentaries. So, I mean, although sometimes he says, I don't feel like it today. It is, it is one of my requirements. He has to watch one a week, sometimes two, but I do let him choose. And there's hundreds on Netflix. Um, Sometimes we're learning things about history and there's gory things (laughs) on the TV. And other times we're learning about cooking or, or um, magic magicians and stuff like it could be anything he enjoys, but magic for humans. 
Yes. Have you seen and, it? Yeah, we've seen some oh, of those. It's so great. Good. Magic for humans. And yeah, there's so much on Netflix too. And that's the thing is like, we also, and you guys do documentaries and we like to watch uh, YouTube cooking shows. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. But we've learned so much from watching our favorite YouTube channels. Like we watch Bon Appetit and Epicurious and then this thing called Binging with Babish. And we've learned and she's learned about different, like we changed the way that we made our homemade pizzas and she was like learning how to make an omelet because of the, and we've gotten all these tips and she and I, and we, we're both learning at the same time, right? Absolutely. Oh, I, I, I get just as engaged as he does as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, talking about recipes and stuff, one of the things that we were doing, um, and it would take a whole day, this is before COVID, and yeah. I can tell you how we've changed it, it was focused on a recipe. So you take a 16-year-old, what do you do with him for a whole day? And sometimes we're only doing learning for an hour or two, depends yes. on what we're working yeah. on. Yeah. So some of the days we would have, um, it would be called a field trip day. So he would have to search on Google a recipe he'd want to make that would be from scratch. That would take him some time just to find something. And he's learning skills while he's searching. Once he would find that recipe, I'd say, okay, go to the pantry. What do we already have and what do we need? So then he'd be required to go make a list, write all the ingredients down of the recipe, and then see what we have. And he'd circle what we already have. Now he's got a list of what we need to buy. We'd head to the store and we'd get in the store and it was surprising, you know, this 16 year old, I'm like, okay, what do you need? And he'd look, you know, baking chocolate, where would I find that? I say, well, guess what? The stores have these signs above every aisle. They're going to give you clues of where you might want to look. And I would completely let him lead the way. He'd have to find all the ingredients. Then it'd be time to check out. Okay, here's the demo. His, his debit card we would use, sometimes mine. And he'd, I'd make him do self-checkout. He'd have to scan all the grocery items. Then he had to figure out how to do, because we would be at Walmart. They didn't have sure. tap. So those were things he was learning. Then we realized, yeah. you know, let's go make some change to his bank account. We'd go to the bank the next day. And then the next day after that, we'd focus on actually cooking it. He'd get the YouTube set up on his iPad and he'd watch and pause and watch and pause oh every step. And I realized I could take one simple thing about like a recipe and it over two days now is COVID-19 so we are he's not going out of the house to go to the grocery store that is me of course but we're still doing things like cooking and baking he's still searching at recipes and those are some part of the things that we're doing differently well and you know what's really important I think one message I think we want to share is that there's no like line where learning begins and ends absolutely not there's just they're always kind of learning. And I think the biggest change, the biggest change for us has been that um, my husband now works from home. So um, I'm used to just like working in the morning, working in the office and getting my work done, but he's in the office. We're actually, I'm so grateful we can do this. We're actually building him an office in our garage. So we have a really big garage. I'm so grateful we have the space for this. And I'm grateful we have, you know, a way to make him like he's still working so we can build him an office because I don't have a place to work anymore and um so we Celine and I would like she I would work in the morning she had her list like you she has a list of things that she can do while mommy's working she's nine now but she can be very very independent and it's like some of the stuff that she does and she learns it's like I never would have thought of that so one the biggest change for us I would say is that yeah there there are fewer field trips that aren't just out in nature, but even in nature, we have to be careful where we're going and it's not too mm-hmm. busy. She hasn't been in a public place uh, for more than two weeks. I don't take her to the store. I don't take her anywhere. Um, 
yeah, same for safety. And of course, not seeing her friends has been really hard for her, even though she's used to spending the day, like we generally spend our days by ourselves, but she had activities every night, mm-hmm. which I found it was an advantage for the unschooling that we do because she could handle going to an activity every night. If she was in school, there's no way I would have put her in an activity four nights a week for two hours mm-hmm. each time at nine years mm-hmm. old. I just, I don't think she could have handled it. So that's been a big one for us is that not seeing our friends has been harder, but you were saying that that is not quite the situation for <laughs> you guys. <laughs> yes. That is one of his, uh, they, my son is a true introvert and his, <laughs> his 22 year old sister is at home right now in quarantine. She came home oh, from right. BC. Uh, BC and she's struggling with it. We're on day eight or nine now. And he, he commented, Wow, I would love that if you told me I was in quarantine. I'd never have to come out of my room because he loves his room. He has a lot of friends online. And it's one of the things that we've had to talk a lot about where, you know, it's important to have human face-to-face interaction and not just online. Um, So for him, it's his saving grace. He loves being in his bedroom. (laughs) He fairly rarely comes out. So. You know, what's funny about the whole like online thing. And so my husband's been a gamer since he was a teenager. He he's like, I was built for this man. I'm so ready. (laughs) But my husband has started, he's doing streaming on Twitch TV. And that's one of the reasons why we're building him a space as well. So he can be more animated and loud and not bother the rest of the family at night. But I said to my husband the other day, we kind of had a disagreement. Um, We've been actually doing really, really well. Um, We're used to being together as a family unit, the three of us, but Mm -hmm we got into an argument and I said, you know what, Dan, like I, like I've lost my community. Like I don't have really a community. And I didn't, I, I would say I didn't really have a very strong community here yet either. Cause I've been living here just about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But I said, one of the things that you have that I don't is you have this incredible online community that you've built. And yes. ever since, so he invested in the community before he started streaming, made friends with the streamers and, and was active in their community and chat. And then when he started streaming, he's got all this incredible support. And one of the things my husband gets told a lot with his streaming is that it's a very positive environment and people like hanging out there. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's also important for us to be open to, can an an online community be a good place for our kids? Can it be? That is obviously a huge question, right? For Mm -hmm. safety, for the environment they're in, but could this be for some of our kids a really great way to stay connected? I, I would have to say yes in my case. I mean, everybody's yeah. different. Um, for my son, the one thing that being online has done for him because he is on the autism spectrum, right. he struggles with um, social cues. And um, we, when we're face-to-face, and right now we see each other on video, yeah. we rely on our facial expressions to understand the meaning behind someone, what someone's words possibly. And my son struggles with that. So when he's been in um, face-to-face situations, he's gotten into difficulty in friendships because he said something the wrong way because he, yeah. he struggles with sarcasm as well. Being online, now that he's made some friends, it was very bumpy in the beginning because some of them didn't quite get him. His jokes would come off wrong because it wasn't funny. Or when they were joking, he would get upset. But online has given him so much practice socially without being face-to-face and them seeing him um, 
get up very upset. They can't see that he's upset. He can move through the emotions and get more experience in, oh, okay, they meant this. So it's allowed him to really hone in and practice social skills, even though it's online, so that he's more ready when yeah. he's out in the real world face-to-face. -face. So for us, it's been good. Well, and that's the thing is we say out in the real world, but I really feel like my husband has these really incredible relationships with people he's never mm -hmm. met in real life. And I kind of, not that I didn't really understand it. And I didn't really understand it until now, like how powerful some of these relationships with people that he's probably never even seen some of them because some mm -hmm. people are in his community. He doesn't even know what they look like, but they chat, they'll talk through their discord. Right. So yes. I think, you know, as we kind of wrap things up, I think what we want to leave people with is what are we doing right now? And what's kind of most important as we kind of, I mean, we're coming out of spring break for a lot of people where their communities have different ways of what's going to be required for school. And, you know, I, one thing I want to mention is that we've both said it many times is that first and foremost, the mental health of your child has to be number one. Mm -hmm. And forcing them to do school online when I think, at least in Canada, we've been told that our kids are going to move to the next grade regardless. Mm -hmm. So understanding that the first priority has to be our kids' mental health and know that like allowing them to play and be creative and just have fun as best as they can in this really strange situation, they're going to learn in time, right? Yeah. They are going to learn, I think, and it's important for the parents to take the pressure off themselves. Yeah. Um, this is not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. And so on the positive side, you can take this time to get to know your child a little better, have those some of those deep conversations um, when the moment seems right. And um, I think that there is a lot of positive things that can come out of it, even though there's a lot of fear happening at the same time. But as parents, I think it's important that we just relax and know that no matter what they're doing, they're always, they're always learning. Children are natural learners, no matter what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And two things, like you said, like the baking and the cooking and the helping with laundry. I mean, I taught my daughter how to do laundry and she's like, I, I'm, I can do laundry. She's super proud. I said, yeah, there are adults who actually don't know how to do laundry. Yeah, right? Laundry is one of ours too. <laughs> I mean, it's because, but think about it, right? You talked about what does it look like to be successful? having our kids know how to clean the house or run a vacuum or, I mean, these literally are some of the most important skills that they, they can't really learn at school. <laughs> You're not going to vacuum around your classroom. Well, maybe <laughs> depends on your school, but there's these things that we can take this time to learn. And like you said, building those relationships. And, you know, I, I want to share one little last story is that my daughter um, was really obsessed with like snakes and reptiles, like so much. She watches this YouTube thing called Snake Discovery. Um, she's like fully obsessed with snakes. She has these little tiny rubber snakes and has built this like whole entire community. There are breeding capabilities and they have their homes and they have their travel homes and then they have the vet that comes and she has to feed them a certain time of day. And her now she has a friend. She and her friend like talk through Kids Messenger and then her friend is getting all interested in the snake stuff. And the stuff my daughter knows about snakes, like I... I actually don't know anything about it. So she'll say something about snakes. I'm like, I, I did not even know that was a thing. She's learned all these things about snakes through listening to this YouTube channel and has like made this whole world. I yeah. didn't tell her to, and oh, and now she's like writing, writing out like certificates for each of the, the animals and <laughs> how old they are and their date of birth. Again, I didn't tell her to go write these things out. 
she just did it. And that's what's yeah. so cool. It's like, I didn't give her an assignment. It's <laughs> just like, let her play. And then you'd be surprised what your kids can do if you allow them to play, right? If you Absolutely. allow them creativity. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree there. And I think one other point to, to that is um, even if your children aren't writing things down, I learned very quickly. And uh, one of the teachers had taught me this, that he did a lot of um, checking in with my son to know what he was knowledgeable about just by having conversations. So he did not put the pressure of him to write it out. Um, So that's something that we do often when he's watched a documentary or we'll pause the documentary to Google something. We learned that Mm. Vikings really didn't have horns on their their helmets when they went into battle. That was just the top warriors because the, the horns would make sense. We found out that the horns were made from birds' beaks and none of that we would have known if we hadn't watched a documentary and had a conversation about it. But did I go and have him write things down, all the things he learned to test what he had, he knew? No, we just sat on the couch and talked and laughed about all these crazy things that was in this documentary. And that was enough. And it's context. Now he's got context. Mm-hmm. Like my daughter's interested in, in snakes because she's like doing things with these like little rubber snakes. And it's, it's so mm-hmm. crazy. So ah, just a reminder to parents, you know, put your hand over your heart if you're listening to us and remember that you're doing great. And honestly, the most important thing with our kids that they really need right now is just our attention and our love, mm-hmm. right? Just and breathe. Patience. Yeah, just breathe and follow their lead. Yeah. Awesome. Well, gosh, this was a lot longer than our traditional podcast, but I think mm-hmm. you know this conversation is really important. And I think that we will be able to help a lot of parents sort of navigate through this. And for some parents... Maybe this will end up being a permanent change. Who knows? But we're mm-hmm. here for you, right? Absolutely. We're here to help. And whether it's a few months in or a couple years in, just know that the homeschooling, unschooling journey is ever-changing, <laughs> right? Yes. What, what you were doing last month doesn't necessarily work this month, and that's okay, too. So. Oh, always changing. It's always changing. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so, so much for uh, your candor today, sharing your heart with us, sharing Um, Thank you to your son for allowing his story to be shared because we know that um, we will, there will be somebody who hears the story and resonates and says, Mm -hmm. that's my child. That's what they're going through. And I I want to help them. So thanks for having me on Julie. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the wake up with gratitude podcast. If you'd like to continue your journey with gratitude or stay connected, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. Did you learn something from this episode? Was it of value to you? Please share with your friends and don't forget to add us to your favorites and download the episodes automatically when they are posted.